The Playhouse and That's Not Canon Productions acknowledge traditional custodians of the land on which we are recording this show today and all surrounding areas where we live, learn, and work. We also pay our respects to Elders past, present, and emerging. Hey Roomies, what's up? It's Brooke at her house. We are still in lockdown, but by the time you're listening to it, perhaps we won't be. That'll be a fun experience for us all. Welcome back to another episode of Playhouse Podcast. For those of you who are new to listening, I am Brooke. I normally co-host with Chelsea, but due to lockdown, we are recording intros separately. So you'll hear from Chelsea as soon as we start the interview. Um, Now, speaking of the interview, what a guest we have today. We have Jason Glenwright. Now, normally he works a little bit behind the scenes, so his name might not sound super familiar to you, but trust me, after this interview, besties, honestly. Jason Glenwright is an award-winning lighting designer specialising in theatre, musical theatre, opera, concerts, cabaret, (gasps) circus, dance and puppetry with over 270 production credits to his name. 270. 270. Wow. He has worked with Sydney Theatre Company, Bell Shakespeare, Queensland Theatre, Opera Queensland, La Boite, Griffin Theatre Company, Queensland Music Festival, Shake and Stir (gasps) and lots of others. Now, I do not know about you guys, but I literally know nothing about lighting design. I can I can press the buttons. I can I can like once the cues are in, I can go next 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 next. But in terms of designing lights, I've literally got no idea where to start. So this interview, I have a feeling is going to be super insightful. So it's a good thing we're meeting Jason today. Lots to learn. Enjoy the episode everyone. So we are here with the lovely Jason. How are you? Good. How are you girls? We are good. good on. Now, we're going to start off straight away. What is your occupation? Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, I'm, I'm a lighting designer for theatre and live events. I, I can, I can, that, there you go. That, that's it, really, I suppose. It's exciting as that. What, what, what's the concept of a lighting designer? Like, what, is your, what does your role entail? Ooh, uh, well, I suppose to make sure people can see or not see what's going on on stage um, <laughs> and tell, help people follow along with the show and, uh, you know, give people a sense of mood and atmosphere. I think people shouldn't know that I'm there unless it's done badly, I suppose. If you have a bit of an ego like myself, just a little bit of one, you kind of like to read the reviews and see if you're mentioned. But then when you're not mentioned, you're like, oh, that's, that's a bit sad. But then you go, actually, no, no, that's a good thing because um, your work's obviously that good. There you go. So then you get to twist it around a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's all about that mindset. I wanted to, to take it back way back in time. Were you always interested in lighting design or was there another way you found your way into the performing arts scene? That's really, it's a good question because I was having a think about this the other day and going, you know, what, how did I get into it? And I just remember even just as a, as a child in, in primary school, we used to have these kid shows at the Twelfth Night Theatre. They used to do Twelfth Night shows there. I don't know if you girls ever went to those with your primary school, like Charlotte's Web and things like that, where they just put on these funny kid shows. I, my, my family were never theatre people, so we'd never go to see theatre. When I got into high school, I, I went to a private school. And I just remember standing there and watching the stage crew bump in and going, oh, that, look, that looks really exciting. And I was, just, I was a shy kid who never did any things, you know, and, and kind of played up and said a lot of bad things and craved... I suppose, attention. I don't know why, you know, I think we all go through troubling times. And then I remember then I changed schools and, 
and got into this technical stuff and then discovered that I loved exactly what I've been noticing all those years, which is this theatre lighting stuff. And, and then started to explore, you know, as I got all got, got into QT and did technical production there and learned about the role of the lighting designer, which was even more exciting because, you know, you never really learn about what a lighting designer does until you're studying it. You just see someone do the lighting or you see the lighting on a show and you go, that's great. I didn't realise it was a, a job that just did that. I thought you had to rig it and do all that yourself. But no, it was in that, learning about that and then get, getting to practice it now. I just, it feels like an absolute dream of a, of a path. Yeah. And do you think, because um, you did say that you studied technical production, did you think you kind of realised your skills have been um, heightened? Like you've truly realised that this is what you wanted to do and that's kind of refining your skills as a lighting designer? actually took me working with a lighting designer called David Murray which was, I was the first and first year I was you know I was still 17 in at QUT starting the course and I was just like I love lighting and that's why I was there but then I just got up a ladder and started focusing a light for this lighting designer called David Murray never met him before never heard of him and I was just so inspired by that process and watching what he did and how he talked about light and seeing that awoke me to that role in that regard it's interesting because technical production i could say the qt course i don't think any course can really teach you about lighting design i think lighting design is something that you learn through practice um you can learn the basics you know here's what a light does and you point a light this way it looks like this or you can put this color in it and it looks like that but you can't tell someone inherently how to design the lights for a show like you know this should be a cold sink because Every show is different. You use a lot of intuition. I suppose it's like I could never be an actor because I'm not very good at acting. But, but you know, I could still study it, but I don't think I'd be a good one at the end of it. You have to inherently have that kind of skill and that kind of mindset inside you. How did it make you feel graduating from technical production and going into the real one? Like, all right, here we go now. <laughs> Was the university for the real world yeah. setting you up for the real world? Oh, of course not. It's a great <laughs> marketing slogan. I was kind of lucky because the technical production course has, it's, I suppose the structure has changed a lot now. But when I went through the third year, you didn't do any subjects. It was all practical assessment. So you do secondments or show roles at university. So by that stage, you're not really studying anymore. You're kind of getting a little bit out. You're already test, dipping your feet in the water, which is kind of nice. And the second half of the year, I already started to get a lot of independent shows coming through to me from Metro asking me to like, shows you know profit share I wasn't making any money but I, I got a call I, I in my third year at uni I worked with a uh, I don't know if you heard him a director called Michael Futcher and he was I was still a student in third year and we did the, the production of the three sisters at the gardens theater there's always been excitement to, to work with industry directors and I think that was a great opportunity to do so and I you know it, it was it was tricky I must say you do realize when you start working with a director like such as Michael how you know how prepared you have to be and and it's, it's, you have to have done your homework. And I was lucky because a couple of months later, in, in August of that year, I was in third year, he asked me to design the Kursk for him at Metro Arts, which was a nice independent show that year, which went on to win all these awards the next year. But I, I was so lucky that I got my, my first show was this, the industry and got me known. I had emails coming from directors at QT who I'd worked with who said, you know, I saw that show and it's amazing. And I've never had really that response since. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and so... 
got to, and then I worked with Bridget Boyle as a director on the next show after that in, in third year. So I've got all these directors I still work with today. I apologise to them now for how terrible I would probably was back then, and <laughs> I probably apologise to them in ten years' time how terrible I am now. But you know, <laughs> we only get. I think you know, we, it's amazing how you know hindsight and perspective you can look back at things and you go, oh wow, I made those decisions then. This, this is the evolution of an artist. Oh, it really is, isn't it? It's so easy to look back and cringe. I do that oh, all yeah. the time. It's yeah, a, it's a it's a <laughs> habit at this point. Have you ever gone back on your emails and looked at emails you sent like yeah. 10 years ago and you go, Jesus Christ, is that how I sounded like? <laughs> so many exclamation marks. I know. I found one that I said warm regards. Oh, I hate warm regards for whatever reason a long time ago. I thought that was a good thing to say at the end of an email. And now I'm like, oh, I don't want anyone's warm regards. Kind regards is great. Regards, fantastic. But warm. It's not warm. Warm regards. Oh. I don't know. That, it, it sounds a, that, that sounds like a hug, isn't it? Like a warm regard. Yeah, but in like a work email, I'm like, do yeah. I want to be giving them my warm regards? We don't know each other on the warm regards level yet. Maybe I never time. want to work with you again. Warm regards. <laughs> yeah. You kind of mentioned it really briefly of how you made these connections in the early stages of your career. Do you think it's important with the industry that we're in now to make connections and form these relationships with other creatives? Absolutely. I think that's the backbone of your um role as an artist if you don't have any connections you're not going to work with anyone and that's a scary thing too you know you, you can't it's such a small industry that sometimes if you say or do something wrong that can spread pretty quickly at the same time I think you just you know being yourself and being genuine and having a lot of fun and, and just and when wanting to work with these people and reaching out to people it's, it's what it's all about I'm always the person I always want to work with as many people as I can. And, uh, you know, it's a collaboration. I don't come into a show and go, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to come into a show and say to a director, Hey, what's going on? What are we, what are we doing? And, and, you know, build together with them. And I think that's how, that's what the relationships end up being. And same with, even with the sound designer or or the set designer, they end up knowing what you like as a buying designer. Like the set designers know that sometimes you want side lights. So they'll make sure they leave that sort of room in the set for you to do that or Sound designers know that, you know, there's going to be a big sequence coming up. So they'll know that you'll want cue points in, in musical elements for them. You know, it's, and those sort of relationships, like, you know, after I've worked with many sound designers and, and some of them I've worked with more often than others and set designers, and you kind of don't have to speak to each other as much. Everyone knows what they're going to do and you kind of know how to respond to them when they come back with something too. And it's really nice. It's a nice sort of situation to be in. And I think that building those relationships is the fundamental backbone of um, great collaboration. Yeah, I think we should. That, that's the, that's something which I think I'm a big advocate of is is being fun on the job. I hate when people get into arguments over theatre, especially in the theatre. I've been in I've been in theatres where people have lost their tempers and and got upset and had little meltdowns. And my thing that I think today is, oh, especially when a director goes, "Oh, look, you know, you know," it speaks to someone. You're just like, "Mate, we're not curing cancer here." Let's let's put it, things into perspective. There's people right now in work positions where creating a theatre show that people are going to either like or hate. It mm. might not change their life at all. It might, but it doesn't really matter because we've got a ridiculous job and if we get too upset and, and stressed about these sort of things it's my sort of thing of going if we're falling behind we'll get there in the end you know it's, it's so much unnecessary stress sometimes in our industry and, and it's easy to fall into it I, I must say I've been there before you want to do the best you can I love I love that perspective thing you're Definitely. so philosophical and wise I'm just like yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to know Jason because Chelsea and I really don't have a lot of experience in the lighting you know biz or just even well I don't think you ever really get the the opportunity to unless you're you already know what you're doing like for me I do a bit of community theater stuff and we have lighting designers that know 
absolutely everything there is to know. And I, I know how to go and, you know, press next queue, next queue, next queue, next queue, next queue, next queue. But the, de- the design aspect, I'd be absolutely stumped on. So I wanted to know if there's a step one that's consistent for you, like if there's any sort of routine to how you would plot a lighting design or is it different with every project or what the, the process there is? I suppose the process of the lighting design changes from stage to stage. First of all, you get the script and then you stress because then you have to go, oh no, I've got to interpret this. You, you generally step through it in a, in a nice process of um, having a chat with the director and figuring out the scope of the project, where you're going to go, have a, have a read of the script, understand where that's kind of going. I must say, I'm not, I'm not the best reader of scripts. Some people are really great at reading and interpreting words. I'm a, I'm a great hearer. If I hear something, I can take it in immediately. So for me, even the first read is sometimes the, the biggest indicator for me when I hear cast read the script just from the page the first time. I'm just like, wow. It just goes from being a bunch of words, which which kind of string themselves together to being something else. It's it's everyone has their own ways of learning. And I think when you find that, it's it's great. And then once you do that, you just kind of you just sit in, you keep chatting with directors, keep chatting with the rest of the team, working with everyone. It's it's about collaboration. I think your work's only as good as your collaboration with the rest of the team. So you just you you keep making sure you're on top of all the blocking and everything that's happening in the show. Keep making sure you're on top of every, you know, kind of roughly where sound's going to go. And the more prepared you are before you get into the theatre about knowing where you want cues and, and doing your plans up, the easier the process will be and the more streamlined it'll be. I always say when you when you design a lighting plan, you, you design it so you, you, you don't fail. So you put plenty of fail-safes in there that, you know, things that will, you know, work for the show, but then also things in there that you know that, if that thing doesn't work, you've got another five tricks up your sleeve. Or if the director or a designer goes, no, that's just not working for what we want to do, even though we discussed it, you got to, you got to, you can't be precious. You got to move on. You got to, you got to come up with something else. You can't be like, oh, that was a. You, you might create. I've created some amazing things before, and then a director will go, mm, nah, I don't like it. But you, at the same time, that's not meant for this show. It's not meant for that moment. So yeah, you, you just you change it. You throw that away, and then you come in there and and come up with something new and and that's that's great collaboration it's also the art of being prepared as a lighting designer is just have all those options up your sleeve as well lighting as well and having the design aspect as well is it very technical than what people assume it is there's many different aspects to lighting i think you know on opening night oh jason why aren't you in the control room pushing the buttons i'm like because that's not my job my job's the lighting designer um, there's someone who programs for me. So when I get into a theatre, there's quite a few different roles. There's head electricians who manage the rig going up. You've got the um, electricians also who put the rig up. You've got your board operator or your lighting programmer who will program the lighting console for you. So I'll sit with that person throughout the process and they'll sit next to me and, and I'll just say channel one at 50. I'll type that in. Channel eight at 68%. Then they'll say record that as Q1 times of five seconds. And that's essentially their job is to program that. And I, or I'll go, I need these lights to do this. And I want it to have, I need a movement effect here. So can you make these three lights chase? And I want those three moving lights in the roof to move around. And then they'll construct that effect for you. And that's the, that's very technical. Whereas I'm looking at it from a very creative point of view where I'm like, okay, so this state looks a bit flat at the moment. The operator's sitting there going, okay, he's sitting there wasting time as he's thinking. But at the same time, I'm like, right, what are we doing? And I'll go, okay, can you grab those three moving lights and move it? So he'll use his technical skill as the program. The trouble is there's a bit of that that crosses crosses over into me because I need to know if that's possible. I can't just go, can you make those three lights move? And he goes, no, they're fixed lights that that can't move. 
I, I need to know the limitations of the equipment I'm working with and the board operate and the board that I'm working with. And even the people that you're working with, you're, you're only as good as the people you work with. If you're working with a great programmer, you'll get some great stuff. If you're working with a basic programmer, you can still get a good show, but you can only work with, within the limitations of people you're working with too. So to answer your question, yes, there's a little bit of technicalness. There's also, but as I'd say it's mostly creative. Yeah. So yeah, roundabout, roundabout question. That's how I answer all my questions. <laughs> I take a long route around and I come back and... Well, speaking of technical knowledge, I saw on your website and this absolutely blew my mind. Oh, someone's uh, been to my website. That's amazing. Yes, we've, got, we've had <laughs> yeah. those hits. Got to get that. Is it SEO? Is that what they call it for Google? Anyway. Um, so usually most, most of the hits are me going, oh, <laughs> I've got a website. <laughs> Oh, literally no judgment. That would be me if I had a website. Every single day I'd be <laughs> checking. BrookeEdwards.com. I should make one just for fun. You should. But what I saw, and I thought this was brilliant, is it, it said um, for people who don't really quite know how to do a lighting design, you would come to their space and help them out and show them what to do. And I, because I'm a, about to be a drama teacher, I'm just about to get my certificate. So I feel like that's a really cool service. Could, could you walk us through how you identified that that was a thing that people needed and what help you can give them and also if yeah. you still do it and it was just all, Look, all the website <laughs> yeah yeah it, it's something that I, I do offer to, to especially to schools mostly because I do do a lot of work with schools it is that thing where people have spaces and better ways of lighting a space I find there's better ways of lighting a face walked into a new build of a school about a year ago and I got me to come in just program some states for them just just to help out and I looked at the build and I go, why have they got a front lighting bar and just top bars? Like, I must say, like, everyone goes, you know, yeah, in lighting, yeah, you've got to have light from the front. Not all light needs to come from the front when you light a face. If you look at how faces are lit even now, a lot of the lights actually come from the side. If you had light that just came from the front, it looks very flat. But you have light that comes from the side and you start to get something that looks a little bit more interesting and three-dimensional. So it's really weird that a lot of these spaces, when they're designed, even today, by professional companies, put a lighting bar out the front and go, there you go. Done. That's art. <laughs> That's art. When you're like, actually, I, I very rarely have light that light that act is just from the front. Like, yes, you need a bit to fill it in, get rid of the shadows, but most of it comes from the high sides. And, and, and schools forget that. So it's that sort of thing of that knowledge that you can pass on about of not even just lighting equipment, but positions and where you can put lights to light faces really nicely. I think also yeah. like, like breaking the assumption of what lighting is as well for them. Good lighting can be as, as simple as a single light as well. A lot, you know, you could just have one single light hitting someone on a dark stage and that can be absolutely amazing and breathtaking in the right moment. But also, so it could giving a really even face light wash where every parent can see their child on stage during the musical. That's why it's also very hard to kind of even just give exact feedback on, on what sort of gear they need. You, you, give them, you can give them a broad range of what would help them achieve uh, a various sort of ideas and, and, and kind of and looks and things like that. When push comes to shove, it, um, it just comes down to just giving them something that's very simple that they can almost, you know, in, in a lot of different ways, something that's very sort of flexible. It's just so cool because I, I um, have had the panic this whole last last semester of being like, oh, end of this year, I'm going to be in front of kids and they're going to want me to be this perfect drama teacher and they're going to get on to do their performances and I'll go, ah! <laughs> I think it's just, it's so cool because I feel like I'm not the only person in that position where you're suddenly, you've gone from being like me, grew up performing yeah. and was like, okay, yeah, teaching's where my heart is. I've, no one would trust me in a bio box. I'm, I've, 
I don't have those qualifications. So I feel like that could be something that's really, really useful for a lot of other listeners that are emerging educators and emerging creatives to contact you and yeah. Of course, always, always willing to come in and help um, and also give any pointers I can. It, it's also that sometimes lots of schools have good gear. It's just that, yeah, you just don't know how to use it. And as soon mm. as you know how to use it, it, it gives you a great insight and going, well, look, this is, you know, some of it's not the, the most amazing stuff, but you can still do amazing stuff with it. One of the biggest problems I find, especially with schools, is that they get spec these lighting boards that nobody knows how to use. Even I don't know how to use them because I think they're ridiculous lighting boards that get spec to them. And, and no one gets trained. Not, none of the teachers or any of the staff at the school get trained and end up having these these almost like, you know, the, the, what do they call them? White elephants, you know, they're great things, but they're just not ever used to their full potential. So uh, that's an industry-wide thing. You got, because you've got these companies that spec, that spec for schools and spec for theatres sometimes, and they don't have to use it. They just make their money selling the product and then educating one person. But that one person leaves at the end of that year to get another job at another school and takes that knowledge away from them. And they don't pass it on to the new incoming staff member. That's something that's lacking. And, you know, I think that is a, a thing that's lacking in the um, in that kind of field of, of, um, of the industry is because I, I love going into schools like I work with um, quite a few different schools over there and I love going in there and just teaching the student, well, not even just teaching the student, but working with them, actually liking a show with them and they get to experience programming with me and the, the funds and stresses of that for them. And That's so cool. And I'm, I'm assuming that there are podcast listeners that are going to be listening to this. I have a friend that is all for lighting design and whatnot. And what would be, I would say, the golden nugget of advice when it comes to lighting design? The golden nugget, for, I don't know if there is a golden nugget. I think the golden nugget is to know what's best for your production, I suppose. If, if you are a lighting designer and you want a golden nugget, you've just got to keep learning about life, you know, going out there and experience things. Like, don't, stay, don't sit at home and, and read books on lighting all day. Go out and go for a bushwalk, you know. Go out, walk it through a shopping centre. Look at faces. Look at people. I'm looking at your faces now and going, look at how you're lit just sitting in your positions now. If we had to light a scene right now doing what we're doing, how would you do that? You know, life, especially for a lighting designer, is not about putting a light there and there and lighting someone's face. Like, it's about going well, the experience of, of life. And it, it's funny that I was feeling a bit blocked yesterday. I was trying to finish off a plan for, for another project. And I was just like... I just didn't know what to do. So I we went for a walk down the coals and came back and all of a sudden I just cleared my head and I had this idea. And, it, and it, yeah, it just takes little things like just getting out and upskilling. I, I, something I keep hearing, and I, and I always thought that was a stupid thing that people used to say back when I was at uni, you know, learn learn about everything. And I thought that's stupid. I want to learn about lighting. And you're like, <laughs> you realise that once you've learned what a light is, that's really all there is to learn <laughs> yeah. and what a light can do. And that most of the other skill just comes from your intuition and, and and situations and having your heart broken or or you know that emotions that you feel in, per, in times of your life you know that feelings even as a, as a human being are really exciting to a thing to tap into as well so i know yeah so golden nugget i don't know golden nugget go down to the jewelry store buy yourself one that's go, got a cold <laughs> yeah go down to cold <laughs> but that's so important though because i feel like people get so wound up about it that nothing seems to process through but if you just like I don't know cleanse your kind of mind just feels refreshed and then you can go back to what you've been doing and it just feels so much better yeah sometimes when you think of an idea sometimes when I'm in the theater the last thing I want to do is cleanse though if I'm like if I have 150 cues up the plot in four hours and I know that's not realistic I just want to keep going I don't want to cleanse I don't want to get out there and clear my head I want to keep my head thick with this this ideas and these these 
this momentum that I've got going. Look, people I'm working with don't agree with that because they want to cleanse, <laughs> obviously, because <laughs> it's not that doesn't work for everyone. It's different for everybody. But it, yeah, it, it's 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 really it's interesting. At, diff, at different times, you've got different processes that you need to go through. Like you know, when you're coming up the ideas, you know, you need that time to cleanse. When you when you're in the midst of it, you're like, nah, I'm going. I'm, I'm mm. running. It's a marathon. It's a sprint. The marathon's over. Okay. Now we have this question. Whenever we talk to any guests, we always end with the same question. Okay. It sounds like an interrogation. It's like, what is your <laughs> Medicare number? Um, okay, my, uh, hang on. Let me get my <laughs> bank card details are three two five seven. Have you got a penny writing this down? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just type <laughs> yeah, it, type it up. Yeah. Um, we <laughs> want to know where is home for you? Because like playhouse, home of theatre. Is it in the theatre? Is it at home? Is it a specific place? Is it a specific country? Is it a specific state of mind? Up to you. Where's home for Is you? it Coles? Is it Coles? <laughs> Which aisle? Um, home. That's, that's an interesting one. I think home for me is, is a shopping centre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. Is there, um, is there a particular reason why? I don't know. That That's my... It's, it's you know not everyone not a lot of people know this but my, one of my biggest interests outside of lighting design is, is, is shopping center and shopping centers and how they run and design and stuff like that so when I'm not in the theater I'm generally out and about walking through a shopping center experiencing the architecture of the space or shops and things like that yeah I don't know and I call I, I like the, I think they're home because every time I'm there it's, it's it just feels it feels inviting and welcoming for me some people hate them some people don't want to go there sometimes I don't want to spend more than an hour there but like you know don't get me wrong that's interesting. Yeah, some people do like them because they're like, I don't want to go anywhere near people. I don't like shopping. I just want to get in and get out. But some people yeah. like like yourself as well. It's a new environment as well. Oh, that's a groovy answer. I like that yeah. one. <laughs> there you go. That's something that'll make you all think, listeners at home there. Go down to your shopping centre and, and kiss the floor next time you're there and thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Probably after COVID will be more ideal. Yeah, maybe after COVID. <laughs> Not at the moment. At the moment, they're kind of hot spots. But after that... <laughs> yeah oh well it's been a groovy groovy episode we've had with you yes thank you, so oh, thank you. oh thanks brooke and chelsea for having me but no honestly jason thank you so much for coming on your spare time as well and speaking with us because we want to know more about lighting yes. oh, that's okay i'm always here give us a call next time you want to hear more about something like light Yay. <laughs> and shopping centers now as well there you go we'll branch out to that next time <laughs> yeah <laughs> Picks of the playhouse. They are the picks of the playhouse. Playhouse picks. What a fun jingle! I think one day we are actually going to need to get a jingle. Other, <laughs> get rid of these improvised jingles. But until then, just got to put up with my improvising. Now, our first playhouse pick is an exciting return for Beanley. After a brief hiatus, Beanley Theatre Group is back to host the Beanley Festival of One Act Plays. Now, this is kicking off on the 30th of July, finishes up on August the 1st. So super tight time frame. If you want to get in, get in fast. This is going to be held at the Logan West Community Centre. So drop on down and enjoy some bite-sized theatre, some little nibbles, some little nibbles of theatre, little chomp chomps. Who doesn't love a little bit of stand-up comedy? I was, see, it's awkward without Chelsea here. I was pausing for you guys to reply. So, so if, you, if you're in a position, if you're in a car on your own, obviously if you're on the train, don't reply. But three, two, one, do you enjoy stand-up comedy? Good to know. Personally, I do too. I love watching a bit of stand-up, especially now, nowadays. There's so many specials on Netflix, but you don't have to stay on your screen any longer, my loves. 
Dog Act Company is presenting a night of stand-up comedy at the Catchment Brewing Co. How good is that? The next time you can hear the humorous barks, the, the, the dog act, the humorous barks. There we go. Thank you, Priya, for the pun. <laughs> this is going to be on July 28th. This is a monthly event on the last Wednesday of every month, so it's worth jotting down in that diary. Do people still have diaries? This is what happens when I don't have Chelsea here to keep me on track. I'm like, do, do people have diaries? I have a diary. You know what? If you have a diary, please DM us on Playhouse Pod Instagram. I would love to know if anyone else like me is an old person with a, with a written-down diary. Now, at the end of every episode, we ask our roomies, where do you call home? So, sweet, sweet roomie, where do you call home? Well, that's lovely to hear. I don't think I have a specific spot. I have to think about it. I'll get back to you on that one. And the good news for all of our roomies out there is that we have an opportunity for you to think about calling Australia home, as in the boy from Oz. <laughs> I know that you are all super excited to hear that the Peter Allen classic musical Boy From Oz is coming to Noosa Arts and they're holding auditions so you can tell them where you call home and also tell us DM us on Instagram as always head on up the road to Rio or Noosa and get your name in lights <laughs> to be in this iconic musical and also then we can come and watch your show that'd be super fun go and audition in Noosa Boy From Oz 2nd and 3rd of August so it's right around the corner so start getting prep as always everyone don't forget to follow us on Insta subscribe Actually, there's been a bit of a weird update. I don't know about you guys, but for me on Apple Podcasts, there's been an update recently, so it's a bit harder to follow. But if you can crack it, if you can figure it out, please do. And let's wrap up this episode. What was my key takeaway from this episode? I think my key takeaway was the shopping centre cleanse. Oh, I love it. Shopping centres are weird and wacky and wonderful places. And I think it, I, can, I can see how someone with a design eye would feel really inspired by that because there's just so much to look at so much going on. I think I might go for a shopping centre cleanse myself this afternoon. TBA, there's a pair of pyjamas I've been eyeing off. So maybe this is the, the opportunity. Maybe this is the sign. I'm on the Gold Coast, so we're allowed out of the house. Sorry, Brisbane. Actually, you should be allowed out of the house soon. We'll get onto that later. As always, thank you for listening and we will hear you next week. We've got a super exciting interview coming your way. Bye, roomies. And see That's Not Gun and Productions podcast. Hello and welcome to an advertisement for the Penny Peep Show. What is the Penny Peep Show? Well, in our podcast factory, our podcast scientists have been working hard on a range of light-hearted radio play anthology series that everyone can enjoy. Criminy Cricket, spokesperson. Is there a light-hearted radio play anthology series for me? No, every series is marked explicit. But why not tell your parents, nameless child? They'll find the Penny Peep Show wherever good podcasts are stocked. The Penny Peep Show. It's like dissolving your ears in a cocaine-laden off-brand soda. Is that a good Thing? Shut up, nameless child.